Welcome to the Jared and Nolan Show. This is Jared with an update to an update that is going before episode 3. It's June and this was supposed to be released in December. However, a series of life-changing events that included a robbery, an engagement, a study abroad in Spain, getting married, and a whole bunch of other stuff has significantly delayed the release of this episode. Nevertheless, Nolan and I are back at it, and to kick things off, we're going to be taking you back in time, first to a message from me in January, and then to the beginning of the Me Too movement. And you can catch us weekly on Tuesdays. If you have any ideas or things you'd like to hear us discuss, feel free to let us know. Send an email to jared.nolan.show at gmail.com or comment on whatever platform you're on. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. It's 2018 and where the heck are Jared and Nolan? Well, there have been a series of unfortunate events that have really uh, not only impacted uh, Nolan and I's lives and uh, outlook on uh, the end of 2017, uh, but have also delayed the release of this episode. So here's what happened. Uh, the second week of December, um, coming back from work, I was moving apartments um, from the, the Columbia Heights area of D.C. Uh, up near American University that was cheaper. And in the process of doing that, I had my car broken into during my last pack up um, to complete the move and had my work bag stolen, which had my laptop in it, and my wallet was in the car as well. Now, this was uh, obviously devastating, not only um, for my work files and school files and for these podcast files. Uh, Thank the Lord for Dropbox uh, that had these synced, so I was able to recover it. But clearly that uh, delayed my ability, um, actually made it impossible for me to edit uh, this episode until now. Around the same time, Nolan left for Thailand for an adventure and life awakening, um, but it didn't go exactly how he planned. He was doing some exploring and in the process ended up falling through a roof, three stories, scraped up his back incredibly bad, banged up his leg, tore his ACL, and received a major concussion. Uh, He was in the hospital for a long time, um, but that's the bad news, so here's here's some good news. Uh, Nolan is okay. He has uh, is in the process of recovery and is looking to get surgery to uh, repair his ACL. He His head is all right. Uh, the concussion was bad, but there appears to be no major brain damage at this time, uh, and I can assure you all he still has his sense of humor. <laughs> So uh, we will hopefully uh, be getting back together soon to record some more episodes. Uh, An update from me, uh, I, after having the laptop stolen and moving apartments, uh, went home for the holidays to California and ended up proposing to my girlfriend, Daisha, who said yes. So I am officially engaged. Very exciting. Very pumped for the future. Uh, Not only for this podcast, but uh, for my relationship with uh, Daisha. And to top it all off, uh, I had incidentally requested, coincidentally requested um, money for a new laptop um, prior to the break-in and robbery of my car and uh, was able to 
get that um, over the break. So um, some bad news, some good news, but it is uh, now the holidays are over. Uh, we are back to work. Nolan is back in the United States and uh, is recovering and uh, actually looking to still make it to his uh, study abroad in Spain. So there are a lot of developments on the horizon, and including episode three. So I'm going to cut this update here. It's going to take you back to uh, about the second, third week of December, where the Me Too movement was launching and sexual harassment and abuse uh, was all that the news could talk about. So here are our thoughts. Recording in the mudroom of 1308, I don't know the street name. Gerard. Gerard. (laughs) Gerard Street. That's uh, That's a strong street name. (laughs) It's like Archibald, you know? No, it's not. (laughs) That is a completely different ring. Why did the 1308 Archibald Street? Why did the 1308 Gerard? (laughs) Completely different. Well... Uh, how about we, uh, introduce the show here? That sounds um, good. what's our, well, welcome to the, yeah, now it's coming back. Welcome to the Jared and Nolan show. I'm Jared Cummings. And I'm Nolan Dixon. And today we will be discussing sexual harassment. And abuse. And we're, we're hoping to come at it from different points of view. Obviously, everyone has their bias, and we are two males discussing it, but we'd like to come at it from different points of view. We'd like to keep the blaming, the name-calling out of it, and uh, we've certainly talked about maybe different classes of sexual predators, but I think on the show, we're going to try to refrain from passing judgment and talking more about what's going on and and how do we move forward. Yeah, it's more of a, a cultural discussion about who, about... Um, some of the the why these stories are are coming out when they're coming out and in keeping with uh our first couple episodes this is kind of getting tied back into the the truth and the threat that lying and fake news poses um to discovering uh the truth and also the threat that lie that lies behind thinking things are fake news when they are real news Mm. And how that's a very much a double-edged sword. That yeah. One of the problems, uh, this is like, you know, it's like in culture, you know, we hear the story about, you know, the boy who cried wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's like we've become so used to people crying wolf that then when somebody actually is calling for help, people are hesitant. Um, or it's like on the freeway, if there's an accident, you know, everybody kind of assumes everybody else will call 911. And so nobody does. Right. And so the problem doesn't get get addressed as quickly as it should and this this may be the case with some of the the sexual harassment stories so um to kind of give some background uh sexual harassment has been in the news um unless you've been living under a rock no matter what uh, news source you listen to or or read or watch on tv chances are you've heard um some of the names <clears throat> like harvey weinstein bill o'reilly roger ailes Matt Lauer, Ellie Weasel, um, Kevin Spacey, James Toback, a Hollywood screenwriter who was actually in an LA Times expose uh, accused by over 300 women, uh, Ben Affleck, uh, George H.W. Bush, uh, Chris Savino of Nickelodeon, Roy Price of Amazon Studios, Mark Halpin of ABC, Michael 
Oreskes of NPR, Lockhart Steele, editor of Vox, uh, PBS and CBS host Charlie Rose, uh, Senator John Conyers Jr., Senator Al Franken, and uh, Senate candidate Roy Moore, um, along with uh, some older examples of this, uh, Bill Clinton, Senator Bates of uh, California, and uh, apparently there was also a representative uh, that after he died, his journal, uh, we should get the name on this, um, where he had written about his uh, conquests and escapades. This was a testimony I was listening to on C-SPAN um, where they were talking about this. So the, the, the point of listing off these names is, is simply to say that it's a big news story that isn't isolated to one person, isn't isolated to one industry, although a lot of these have been media-based. Um, yes. um, and it doesn't seem to be going away. It seems there seems to be new stories every day, every week, um, ever since the Harvey Weinstein uh, story broke. Nevertheless, um, sexual harassment is not a a term that to be thrown around, and there are different degrees of of violence or harassment when it comes to um, sexual activity. So Nolan's done some research. Um, with the DOJ and has some important definitions for us. Yeah, and as I've looked into sexual assault, sexual harassment, sexual violence, rape, molestation, child molestation, um, there are a lot of different definitions out there. And oftentimes it's a, a little bit of, you know, each one encompassing the other. So you might look up sexual assault and see a definition that says, you know, include sexual violence and then list some other attributes as well. Um, the Department of Justice defines sexual assault as any type of sexual conduct or behavior that occurs without the explicit consent of the recipient. So unconsensual. Right. Unconsensual that falls under the definition of sexual assault um, such, that includes sexual activities, excuse me, such as forced sexual intercourse, forcible sodomy, child molestation, incest, fondling, which I think is where a lot of these news sources these stories, come into yeah. the fondling part, um, and attempted rape is also included in the Department of Justice. Um, for me, th that is a lot, um, and I haven't followed courses or excuse me cases that have tried to decide what to convict someone with depending you know the difference the legal differences between harassment um, and other things but I think for me so far sexual violence um, although violence can have a very heavy tone to it I think that to me is the umbrella word um, sexual violence can be anything from a punch maybe such as fondling um, to an all-out brawl such as rape and that's a little bit of a crude analogy but I think that's where I'm at after looking into the definitions a little bit so I think maybe what I take away from that is, uh, you know, the accusation against George H.W. Bush, which was making a dirty joke and uh, grabbing an actress from behind twice, is definitely inappropriate and not okay behavior, especially from someone of his stature representing the United States. But it wouldn't necessarily fall under kind of the, the violent... Um, forcible uh, aspects of this definition. So it 
I think psychologically we don't attribute it to violence because it doesn't seem to be physically interesting, physically assertive. Um, you know, just to reach out and touch someone doesn't take an active strength or a particular weapon. But I would say it would fall under that umbrella of sexual violence when we interpret it to also include um, some of the emotional and personality aspects. And this is where I think it does get really gray. And I think a lot of people, rightly so, say it differs based on the victim, um, how that victim experiences that. But, um, but that's very difficult to talk about legal definitions for an experience. Um, so to wrap that up to indirect answer to your question, Jared, I would say that those comments, those jokes and the touching because of their sexual nature, I think does fall under the umbrella of sexual violence. Although I don't think we're, we readily accept that in conversation today. So given those definitions, how are we to respond to stories coming from big names, uh, from the president of the United States to the anchor you see on television to the actor you see on screen, uh, even to the, the senator representing your state. Which, unfortunately, all those people that you've described have been in the news, right? And uh, there's been a lot of talk about how this will continue because the uh, the tip of the iceberg so far is really just all we've seen. Um, I think if it was we talked about before you got to you got to read the story yourself unfortunately a lot of uh, news sources will take quotes out of context they'll um, angle things different way they might make it more serious they might make it less serious and with a lot of these stories they're often evolving over days if not weeks or months because of different people coming forward with different stories and then the back and forth between the victims and the accused yeah, and it's also important to take all of these stories with a grain of salt because they are accusations, mm -hmm. and many of them are also what would legally be called an allegation. Right. So the evidence is still out to be decided whether or not that's actually true. And I think it is important to note that there are varying levels of severity. In my mind... Making a joke is very different um, than when you start touching someone, which is also very different um, than something as serious as rape. So while I'm not trying to say that any level of that is okay, I think when we do digest these stories, it's important to understand the facts of the event or the, again, the alleged facts, the different recounts, and to, to give yourself, like you said, some context on what actually went on and we don't want to – I think it's important to remember in, in the United States of America, you're innocent until proven guilty in the legal system. But you're not necessarily innocent in the eyes of the public. I think that's very what we've true. seen with these stories. And it's tough because I think some people use the innocent until proven guilty to shame or to unduly burden – the accuser. So the victim feels attacked by that line rather than empowered. Well, it's almost like in the, the jury of the public that you're, you're guilty if you're accused. Right. Some of, the, some of these stories are different. Uh, you know, when a similar account is corroborated by, you know, dozen 
to two dozen to uh, I mean I can't believe that Hollywood screenwriter 300 women wrote into the LA Times I mean that's that's really disturbing I think at that point there's there's a trend where it's kind of like this this there's too many for this to be a coincidence um, or an isolated incident the more evidence there is I think the, the more and more difficult it is to think that there is a different reality um, but as we were talking about, there, you know, if if multiple people are coming forward saying, well, there was an inappropriate advance made that made me feel uncomfortable, I think that's different than if multiple women are saying, uh, or excuse me, multiple people are saying that people force themselves on. So there, there's a difference between, in my mind, a sexual predator and someone that is sexually inappropriate or socially unaware. Ooh. Those are all. I think those are great distinctions. I I think unfortunately, uh, a lot of these stories get uh, conjumbled into one. Yes. And and that's definitely not what we intend to do by listing those names. Uh, they're they should each be taken in context and in the situation. Absolutely. Uh, the situation with George H W Bush is very different from Harvey Weinstein and and very different from Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. So those shouldn't be, you know. I think a problem with culture and this I've read on a, a number of, of feminist websites is they immediately just rit, rant on um, men in positions of power and, and patriarchy. And I don't know that that's while they may feel justified in making that uh, complaint. I don't know that it's fair to take some of these instances and then just whitewash uh men in general men in positions of power as all doing this because that's not the case you're right i think it's important not to paint with such a broad brush and i think but i also think one of the important things to focus on there is power so whether or not it's a male in power i think we do see that power in any situation um can lead to that person abusing it, right? Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Lord Acton, yes, that's a good quote. <laughs> you probably didn't know that's where it came from. I'm not sure that is the original. Lord Acton? Lord Pretty Acton? sure that's the OG OG source. Uh, for those out there listening, <laughs> I believe Jared just said that Lord Acton is the original gangster quote for the, the corrupting power, the corruption of power. But I, I thought it stand for original guy. Oh, it very <laughs> well may. The verdict is out. The verdict is out on that. <laughs> and we'll take a quick break to research that, actually. That sounds be, good, Jerry. Be back in a few. Did you actually look it up? I, I did. John Emmerich Edward Dahlberg Acton, first Baron Acton, lived from January 1834 to June 1902. He was a English Catholic historian, politician, and writer. English Catholic historian, politician, and writer. Basically an English noble, the grandson of uh, Admiral Sir John Acton VI. Uh and he was known as uh, Lord Acton. He is perhaps 
best known for the remark in a letter to an Anglican bishop, power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Great men are almost always bad men. This was a letter dated April 5th, 1887, and was published in the Historical Essays and Studies um, by the London publishing company Macmillan in 1907. Are you recording right now? Yeah. Can we talk about this for a moment? Yeah, we can talk about this. I don't know if we want to include this on the episode or not, but I think the theme that... Can you say that again? All great men are... Bad men. All great men are bad men. I think that's very relevant to what we're discussing with the sexual harassment cases. Because I think there is an underlying question of can you be a successful person in the world without seeking or abusing power? And can you be mm. a successful man in the world without asserting yourself in ways that are not necessarily char- characterly righteous, righteous by character? Mm. I think uh, history would attest. We talked about Martin Luther King last time. Uh, Henry VIII is a popular one in history class. Uh, I certainly think Donald Trump has a lot of moral failings. So should I just assume I that don't... every male, <laughs> oh, every gosh. male figure well, in okay. history and that I see today? This, this is this is a good transition. Uh, before the show, in our effort to put some of these stories in context, we did some research on uh, examples where women had actually lied about sexual harassment or sexual violence um, and the, the allegations turned up being false. Uh, there were a number of articles in the Independent UK, Daily Mail, um, as well as uh, an opinion article in Thought Catalog that recounted some of these stories. Um, one I want to share about a woman named Nicola Osborne, who, after getting drunk, ended up um, sleeping with a man who was not her husband. Uh, when word got out that uh, she was out and uh, her extensive sexual activities um, were being gossiped about, she became flustered and visibly upset, um, knowing that her husband would, would likely be very distraught uh, if he got wind of this. So... Uh, she decided to claim that and tell uh, others that she had been forcibly abducted and raped by a stranger. And this uh, sparked a massive police response um, in her hometown to find the rapist. Uh, a subsequent DNA test led police to the man whom she had slept with, and he was arrested and held for 12 hours. But then the truth came out after they heard his story, and then she fessed up. Um, that the encounter had been consensual, and she was subsequently charged with filing a false report and sentenced to 18 months in prison. So essentially, she lied about rape to kind of cover up infidelity, well, not kind of cover up, to cover up infidelity. And I think this is why we say the first part of the show, each of these accusations and allegations need to be taken with a grain of salt. Meaning that it, you can't just immediately ascribe uh, capital T truth to every accusation. And to me, this takes me to your 
proverbial school playground where if someone yells across the playground that so-and-so is a so-and-so, it's, it's, it immediately casts a shadow over that person. And unless you're a very critical thinker at a young age or you're a friend of one of the two parties, then you're all of a sudden thrown into this, why would that person call, why would person A call person B a so-and-so? Unless they really were. Unless they really were. There's kind of an automatic assumption that they're telling the truth, and I don't think... I don't think assuming they're telling the truth or assuming they're telling a lie is is the best policy. It's really not helpful either way. Yeah, ne- neither bias. Nevertheless, uh, since all humans are biased uh, to some degree, I think this is why our legal system says you are innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, and I'm almost wondering if there's certain corollary of... You know, you are speaking the truth until proven a liar, or there isn't, for those listening. Um, Maybe that should be a journalism thing. I mean, I think that is definitely the norm, is is you're assumed to be telling the truth until you're proven to be a liar. And we saw that with uh, the big NBC uh, anchor host, um, Brian, I'm, I'm blanking on his last name, he recounted uh a story of being shot at in a helicopter while he was in iraq and then it came out that that story was made up and he was fired and let go he's since now come back on but that highlighted his career and he gained more fame because of it and was made up does that mean is that more evidence that all great men are bad men it might be (laughs) certainly is not helping our (laughs) And it goes back optimistic side here. No, it's not. And it goes back to talking about how, you know, any publicity, any press is good press um, in in certain realms of the world. But to bring us back to the thread we wanted to talk about a little bit, there's also that narrative that women should be more proactive in defending themselves or that the victims in any of these situations, certain narratives are asking victims to use more quote on common sense or to be more discerning in the situations they put them in. And I believe you have something for us uh, from Pamela Anderson that we wanted to talk about um, discussing Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. uh, Pamela Anderson uh, went on the uh, Megyn Kelly Today show and was criticized for making comments um, about uh, abuse, uh, kind of being critical of some of these women um, who have published stories. And uh, we want to kind of deconstruct this interview, and here it is. So you may think you know my next guest. You've certainly seen her as the global star of Baywatch and gracing the cover of Playboy magazine 14 times. But there is far more to Pamela Anderson than all that, as I discovered in a wide-ranging conversation on the perils of being a woman in Hollywood to reckoning with her own trauma as a victim of childhood sexual abuse. Watch. You've been open about the, the fact that you've had abuse in your, in your past, and you use the word, I felt embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many women out there now feeling that way about their own harassment or abuse something that happened to them, embarrassed. To them, what, what would you say? Well, it's, yeah, we, we naturally blame ourselves. I didn't tell my mother for a long time, and 
even when I told her, she went, oh, well, that's in the past. Don't even think about it anymore. Um, but you somehow think that you were to blame. But I learned to never put myself in those situations again. And when I came to Hollywood, of course, I had a lot of offers to do private auditions and things that made absolutely no sense, just common sense. Don't go into a hotel room alone. Don't, if someone answers the door in a bathrobe, you know, leave. You know, <laughs> there's these things that are common sense, but I know uh, Hollywood is very seductive and the people want to be famous and, and sometimes you think you're going to be safe and with, with an adult in the room or, you know, I don't know where this um, security comes from, but somehow I've dodged, I dodged it all. I've been offered lots of things, a condo and a Porsche to be someone's number one girl, and I just naively said, well, there must be number two then, so I'm not interested. <laughs> or just, just, you know, money, homes, roles in movies, and I just didn't want to do it that way. I understand. So before, before going on, you know, she says, I didn't want to do it that way, and I think this is where some of the criticism comes, is she's almost, uh, the interview goes on, but there's a little bit of an insinuation that maybe there are some other women who did want to do it that way or or did go into the hotel room or put themselves in compromising situations to get ahead. Right, and I agree. She, I applaud her for her path and for wanting to stick to that, but what she does, what she isn't saying makes it seem like there might be that other perspective on... on um, anybody trying to use certain methods to either get ahead by, say, sleeping with someone or with the culture we're in today to bring press and publicity to themselves by putting them in this victim bucket. I think that's a that's a terrible thing to think about, but not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I, I mean, a couple names that come to mind uh, that – received a lot of, of fame and, and publicity from uh, these type of events, uh, whether rightly or, or wrongly so. I, I want to disclaimer this. I think some women feel like they don't have any way out, um, mm. and they feel trapped by the situation. Yeah. And others, uh, like Pamela is, is, is in her own story saying here, that she you know, deliberately made sure to get out while she could. And uh, there's a, a huge discussion that could be had about sex trafficking and women being being trapped and imprisoned um, in that industry, and that is horrific. Um, what is unique about these stories is there it does seem to be an opportunity or a choice for women to get out, and and not maybe not maybe not every instance, but uh, these situations seem to be unique. You know. Uh, Matt Lauer, NBC, you know, his host applying for a job, you know, being asked to do a sexual act. Um, they don't have to. And that can be, I imagine, thankfully I've never been in that situation myself, but I, I imagine that's very difficult to process in the moment. Oh, yeah. And if you have someone with experience with seemingly a good reputation – and with clout in the industry, laying it down matter-of-factly um, that this is how things are done or this is what needs to happen in the interview. Mm. And on, on that point about this is how things are done, I think this next segment that Pamela says um, is quite revealing. Yeah, let's go ahead and play that. I understand you have had a Harvey Weinstein encounter. He's very intimidating. And I was doing a movie 
superheroes or something, I barely remember it, and I played the invisible girl with an invisible dog, and you know, as a PETA activist and animal activist, I don't work with animals in film because they're treated horribly. And so I said, if I have an invisible dog, I just want to make sure there's no dog there. And I can't do the film if there's going to be a dog in the film. And that was it. And then he called and said, you little da -da -da -da, you're so lucky that I put you in a film and you're Pamela Anderson, you don't deserve anything. If you don't do this, you'll never work in this town again. And this whole thing, and I was like, never in my life I've been talked about. And I've had some really bad boyfriends. And I've never been talked to this way. Were you surprised when you heard all the women coming out about him? No. <laughs> I think it was common knowledge. Oh. Yeah. Common knowledge? Yikes. And then it's just coming in. Scary things, common knowledge, so that you're saying people have a sense of what they're dealing with, and then how long has this man's career gone on where it's it's been unquestioned or just accepted as part of the his normal process? or okay? Are people looking the other way? I think this you have a quote written in our show notes about you know evil persists when good men do nothing or good men say nothing and the importance of speaking up and i think this is maybe a good good opportunity to applaud uh maybe the, the me too movement and, and some of the movements that are encouraging um, women and men to speak up about sexual harassment when they hear and see it yes absolutely and that awareness is the first step um being aware that that's there so that someone such as harvey weinstein is has that process for his own um, his own interactions and then being aware that there are are alternatives that as a male or female you're you're not supposed to the reality is not an abusive relationship the reality is not being asked to do sexual favors to get what you want or to have an opportunity like you don't have to do these things there are alternative ways and there are people that want to help you achieve professional goals and also achieve personal relationships and emotions without having to go through that trauma of so don't buy the lie that the quote-unquote industry is selling you that you have to do this and then not talk about it or not come out about it or not speak about it if you want to work here in this town absolutely and don't feel ashamed if you feel like you're on the outside or if someone propositions you none of that Someone coming to you, someone bringing that to you, someone touching you. None of that is the person's fault. It's the aggressor that is making that part of the conversation, that's making that invitation. That's, that's their responsibility. And you have options in how you respond. And I think all of these stories are evidence that those options are becoming more widely available and uh, more accepted uh, by society. There's, I think this is good. So let's kind of recap um, sexual harassment and abuse. We covered some of the famous names that have been uh, alleged, accused, um, some convicted, others admitting fault. Sometimes the verdict, in some cases, the verdict is still out. We also kind of touched on contextually that this is not just harassment. This is not just abuse. This is These stories range anything from inappropriate behavior, locker room talk, and uh, all the way up to actual times of violence. Yes. 
where it's illegal and, and people need to be imprisoned and punished for those. What are what are your big takeaways? I think overall it's inspiring that we're having a more open conversation about this. Mm-hmm. I think to continue to promote that awareness and that discussion is really healthy so long as we also do not turn it into the playground scene where anything that's called out is just blindly accepted. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the reverse of, of crying wolf. I would say takeaways for me is the importance of speaking out, but also listening and investigating. Uh, mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite uh, phrases that I've been taught about research, it's actually a, a quote from Chuck Missler. That's where I first heard it. It's uh, no condemnation without investigation. Hmm. And I think what this applies well to the situations where sexual harassment and sexual violence is alleged is we shouldn't immediately condemn the girls for speaking out or, or the boys for speaking out. And at the same time, we shouldn't immediately shame or guilt those that they've accused. Uh, There needs to be some investigation into the situation to discover the truth. And that's what we're seeking to do on this show. So thank you for joining us. This is Jared Cummings. This is Nolan Dixon. And we are Above Above the the fray. Fray.